From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Now, here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. Show. Welcome to the Bleed Blue Show, Stephen Chris. Hey, we're gonna talk combine. This is the norm this is the Giants show normally. But hey, we're talking combines, combines and combines. Combines and prospects tonight. Steve, how you doing, homie? Hey man, hanging in there, man. I hope all is well with you, Chris. How's everything, man? Uh, everything is everything is great. It's slow right now around the NFL and the NBA, so it gives us a chance to just, you know, kind of pinpoint something. <laughs> we can see a little bit clearer on what whatever the hell is happening for now. Uh, Olympics mm-hmm. are over, and NFL is <laughs> over. Basketball is over. <laughs> college is college is um, uh, warming up to um, college basketball. That is warming up to. March Madness, and uh, right now, starting tomorrow, well, no, starting next week on the 1st, um, will be the NFL Combine, which is a little controversial this week. We're going to swing into that with all our callers and everything. Um, hey, man, it's, it's look, one of the things we're going to do tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on 929-477-4171, Steve and I, and the rest of the stakeholders, we're going to talk about this um these prospects that are going to participate in the, in the combine, which is pretty closed right now, you know, bubble-like. And that's another thing. That's another cause of concern for a lot of fans. But but we're, we're going to try to emphasize it with just our team because we have a lot of needs, man. I think we even need a new water boy. So we're going to do on we're going to do all of that, and, you know, and swing around the room and see what's what, Steve. So that's yeah, definitely. Happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's two layers of this I want to address tonight with you guys. I um, I had a, asking for a list. I mean, it's a whole laundry list of issues with our team. But with the yeah. organization, I would ask you and each stakeholder, what's your top? What's the top three issues organizationally with the framework in the upper, you know, the, at the front office? And then the next question behind that, same question, similar, the needs on the field is, you know, I mean, to me, it's kind of the same issues year in and year out that haven't really fully been addressed, whether it's a linebacker, running back, or, or, or line, you know, something like that, you know, safety, just, just throwing it out there. What's your top three needs? I mean, we have a gang of needs, pretty much on both questions, but is this, uh, let's, let's have a conversation that and talk about that and how we could tie that to the the prospects that are going to be, uh, you know, first and second round draft picks, you know, going to participate in the combine. So, yeah, I think that we could talk about that. And also, like you said, about the, uh, do you agree with the combine uh, approach with the controlled environment? I think, you know, we like have a conversation on that as well. Man. Okay. All right. So who's in the room, Steve? Who's, Who's who's out there? Is it just us for All right, we got uh, we got Carl. It's just me, you, and Carl. We're gonna fly us three and just, just have some fun. Well, man. let's fly at, in. You know, my good man. What's going on? I'm cold here in Dallas, where we basically shut everything down again at 30 degrees, oh? and oh, I think the world, what? world's about to, world's about to end down here. 
Oh, are you still at that it hockey was, game? Uh, we saw you at. It was a good hockey game last night uh, for the uh, for the Dallas Stars winning that game in overtime. So I'll, I'll, I was waiting. I'm waiting for a real team to show up there on March the 12th. So I'm I'm I was oh, just getting Bruce. my feet wet a little bit in advance. Are you going to that blue shirt? I thought about heading to Dallas for that game, to be quite honest with you. Uh, still uh, undecided. But, yeah, yeah, um, blue shirts and in, in, in the stars play that day in Dallas. Well, don't come three days before that because a, a terrible basketball team is going to be playing there uh, against the Mavericks on, on that Wednesday. Oh, no, I won't and I, I would that. suggest just, just, not, oh, just not coming for that. What is he, a train oh, wreck? Go, 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 you, you come for that if you want. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Let's Steve talk about that. Well, uh, I, I'm talking <laughs> about playing young kids. I'm like, what? What are you guys? I'm like, what are people talking about? Young kids got to well, play. Come on, stop. In this well, case, it might work. It might. <laughs> well, it, it's multi-layered. Um, if, you, if you're talking about the Knicks, I mean, you're going to get more out of somebody young right now than Kimber Walker. Because Kimber Walker only shows up once a month. That's the issue. Oh, that's one of the issues. Uh, well, let me, uh, then, let me just spend like, well, let me spend like 15 seconds on that, right? Because there's this idea sure, floating sure. around out there that, that the Knicks have like these like young kids that just like, I guess, like need to play. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, the Cleveland Cavaliers have young kids, but those guys can really actually play. Like we're talking about guys from like the G League. The, the last time I'm, I'm, I'm checking that we're talking about getting time. I'm like, really? Like, mm, can we get some real good young players? Not like, dude, I'll let Chris get a little bit of that. I'm glad you said 15 seconds because I got to jump in here with this call. In this particular case, with this, <laughs> I'm laughing now. In this particular case, with this particular team, Steve alluded to with Kimba. We are going to have to see what these young boys have. I have a, I got, I got, I'm, Steve, I'm gonna take 20 seconds. I'm gonna try and show on this. I, I historically remember something. Back in, um, it was, in, it was, in, I think it was 1980. Larry Brown was hired to be UCLA's coach, right? And he was like six and eight in March. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, in, in December. And, you know, those were the, he's coming off the John Wooden situation, man, where they didn't lose games. For, like, they lost 10 games in 30, 35 years or something. So he was under tremendous pressure, and the, the starters just weren't working. So he said, you know what, you guys are, you guys are just not making it. We have crappy um, – um, morale, let me just play the freshmen and, and sophomores. Well, they went all the way, man. They were five seconds short of of, the, of of winning the whole title game after that, just with the young boys, just with the young boys. And ever since then, I said, there's some kind of magic to this. I truly believe that Thibodeau, fast forward to 2022, you know what, sit these old asses down, let these young boys, the, the two that he drafted in the first round last year, the uh, um, the, the other cap key league or whatever, let them get some run because they're energetic, they're hungry, they're ready to go. There's one particular cat, um, Mr. Miles McBride, who is ready to explode. I, I, I had to put it out there. And there's another guy named Quentin Grimes who is, he's been ready. He's been ready. So let's see what they got. I have to do it. I have, I have to say it. I know I'm in a minority here, 
but it's time to play the young cats and bring some excitement back to Madison Square Garden. Okay. Let me say uh, something real quick to that, because this is a situation. If you're talking about the Knicks, I don't know about all the other teams like Cleveland. I mean, of course, I understand with Cleveland, with Garland and um, and um, Sexton, you know, those guards, they're doing a fantastic job in Cleveland. But in the Knicks situation, you can't run Alec Burks as your point guard. He's a he's a small forward. He's a two. He's a shooting guard slash small forward who can actually do some ball handling duties if necessary, but the Knicks have worn that tire to the, the tread has gone. It's gone. The issue is Kimball Walker has not produced, and, and, and Chris watches a lot of college basketball like I do, and Miles McBride was solid at West Virginia. He was drafted yes, he was. in the first round uh, in the draft. And so they and, – and here's the thing. In the limited time that he has played, he actually has shown he was all right. He, he did good. And the one game yeah. to mind that comes – was the game in Houston when they went to Houston. And that's not to say much, but he, Houston's not a good team. But he, he produced. He gave you like 15-7 and seven that night. Not bad. But the, the, but the thing I see is what he has done in Westchester, because I actually watched a couple of Westchester games as well in between Nick games mm-hmm. or when the Rangers are not playing. And this guy's averaging 30-10 and 10 in the G League. So why would you not play him? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like he wasn't cupcake in the G League. I mean, he's dropping real numbers. So a 30 and 10 in the G League probably will equate to like maybe 13 and 6, 13 and 7 in the NBA. And that's pretty much up to Peyton last year. So I don't see why you can't. Yeah. You know you can't. Kemba it can't score, and, and he's not getting you to assist. And Alec Burks has been a disaster at point guard. Why not go with McBride? And he, who's actually played some games and actually done all right. All right. Because yeah. and Grimes is already yeah. in the rotation, Chris. That He's not going nowhere. He's been in the rotation since Rose got hurt. So. Right. Right. But we got some young legs on that team, you know, with, with the Grimes and the Quickleys and the McBrides. Then you can do a lot of damage, man. You can't. This, I, I just uh, that's look. I'm not going to turn this into a Nick story. I know what the problem is, but right now, you know the, the young boy. You know what the problem is. You know what the real. You know what the problem is. They build a foundation of a house built on popsicle sticks. That's basically what happened. And once it collapsed, that was it. I mean, they've wasted. And I guess we should probably close off. They've wasted four top ten draft picks in the last, I think, five or six years. You, you do that. Eventually, if you're not signing anybody of any real value, come on, you're not going anywhere. You can get lucky for a year, like they did last year, which is really all it all it was. And they've had a few of those in like the last like 20 years. But besides that, there wasn't any. You know, they folks got their you know their little you know you know their little things up you know, and and thought everything was back to you know glory days again. And all of a sudden, it took about you know, about 20 games for that, that well, to happen, and here you are. Hey, Carl, you're a statistic, yeah, man. This is exactly what – oh, I'm sorry, Chris, yeah. go ahead. And then I, we'll go wrap up. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I won't say something. No, I won't the, say anything. The Knicks, are, the Knicks aren't – what. basically, they are the same team as, as of last year. The difference was the Knicks were 500 before they got Derrick Rose. Once they got Derrick Rose in that trade for Dennis Smith Jr., that's when they went on that win streak later in the year. They had – see, it's, it's all about the point guard, basically, is what I'm saying. Once Derrick Rose went out, that's when the season for the Knicks has just crumbled. They've been chasing their tail. They never recovered because that lack of point guard and Derrick Rose at 32 is still formidable. He still could get the job done as far as beating most mm-hmm. opposing point guards off the dribble. 
And he and he was knocking right. down the three like Jason Kidd. You know, I remember how Jason Kidd was a terrible three point shooter earlier in his career. Darren Rose's yep. three point shot has actually been all right. It's been all right, yep. and he was a threat at that position, especially this year. He was knocking them down. Then he he had the ankle surgery. The Knicks never recovered from that. And the problem, exactly. like you said, cross far as draft picks. Sometimes it's bad luck. I mean, we never had the chance. Like, we drafted R.J. Barrett, but it's not like John Morant was there. We did not select John Morant. It just happened to be that he was just at yeah. number two. Well, the, when he at number three. It's situations well, Dar- like that. Well, Darius Garland was drafted right behind Barrett, if I remember correctly. The point guard at the Knicks, quote-unquote, need right now was the guy that was well, drafted right behind him. I, well, I, I'll, tell yeah. you, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I would never. You heard. You could hear all the Knicks shows. We've been talking about it. We should never draft that Obi Toppin. I don't care how many slam dunk championships he'll win. Thank you should have drafted Tyrese. Thank you should have drafted you. Tyrese Halliburton, who's killing it. Yeah. Right now. So some of this, so some of this is a lot of their own decision making. I agree. Hey, I, you no know, argument for me on that. I get it. I, I we agree. Uh, I don't want to make. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to make Steve upset. I don't want to make Steve upset. Indiana's got him locked up. I mean, him and Duarte are, got a nice one-two he punch. Uh, they're good. He I mean, they're not good, but they, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, he would have. He would solve all our problems. It would be over. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He just they just wasted him out there in Sacramento. This, uh, don't let me start with that. Okay, I'm sorry. This is a, this is a giant show. Okay, I, so, I don't want to make you guys upset. See? <laughs> we can call, we can calm it down now. We can. I'm up, we're off the soapbox now. We can, we, can, we can talk about something else. So, Carl, let me ask you something on, on that something else part. Um, yeah. The combine. The combine. Uh, so there's a, you know, as you know, there's a lot of controversy with it because of the, uh, you know, the bubble aspect, if you will. Um, a lot of people are pissed off. A lot of, a lot of agents actually want to sue the NFL. Have <laughs> you ever heard? Enlighten me, um, what exactly is the controversy? Okay. It's the right now it was okay, I think it was reported Sunday evening that all the agents representing more than like hundred and fifty different draft prospects that are going to who are scheduled for the combine, they're organizing a boycott of all testing, of all the on field workouts and interviews at the next of combine, which is on the first, on Tuesday the first in Indianapolis, because of quote unquote harsh bubble restrictions, <laughs> which means they can't be sitting there in the stands like they did in previous years. They can't be with their whistles on the field next to these guys like, like the previous years, next to the coaches or or the um or the trainers like in the previous years, or any like uh, anything like that. There won't be any fans out of there. Fear of, out of fear of what? It's a COVID thing that I just don't understand why that's still a quote-unquote issue. I don't know. I don't know. That's what's happening as we speak right now. That's exactly what's okay. going on. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, so let me. All right, so let me see if I have this straight. So we're going. So they're doing a combine that they want guys to be in a COVID bubble as if this was two years ago or a year yes. ago. When I just saw for the last, I don't know, 30 plus days, basically no restrictions on players 
and full stadiums and by some I, 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 unique coincidence, zero players landing on the COVID list in the postseason. Was that, was, oh, is that what I saw the last all. 35 days? Yes, that's what you saw. But here, let me add to that. The, the combine was also set to, this is going to make you laugh, maybe, or piss you off. <laughs> it's supposed to provide all meals and snacks, and prospects would have to stay in this bubble environment with limited exceptions. I don't know what limited right. exceptions means. But they did say this. Any players who violate the new policies will be disqualified from further participation and sent the fuck home. That's crazy. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Carl. It's not my turn. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the rule. I'm telling you, that's what what Goodell got set up here. So I don't know. So so essentially, they were trying to put everybody back into the rules that they had before they lifted the rules a couple of weeks ago. Um, I would have boycotted that, too, because you can't now say, oh, the playoffs are now over. Uh, we're going to go back to the rules that we had before. Why? Why? For what purpose? Who's it? That's not serving anybody. It's, a, no, it's, it's not. not. It's not a public safety issue at this point. You, we just saw you. We just saw the giving up of the public safety issue just a, just a month ago. So you know what? I agree with them wholeheartedly, and I'm one of those as well that has come to the conclusion that I don't believe the combine is actually worth anything except for. Uh, helping the guys that really, 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 really need to have uh, some level of exposure. Um, I'm more for the pro days that go on on college campuses, because if you're a top draft pick that's going to get selected somewhere in the top, I don't know, 45 of the draft, the combine is not going to make you go from 45 to 10. It's just not. You know, teams have already done their evaluations for the last month. But that's what the combine is. Yeah. You just, you just okay, I mean, that's fine. Then that's fine. But from a larger aspect, you know, these agents that are, look, you, know, try, you know, getting, you know, trying to get these players, you know, to sign with them or assuming that some of them already probably already have them in their fold, you know, the, the logic behind what the NFL is doing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I'd like to have someone try to, like, argue against it. I mean, I'm open to that discussion, but – the logic behind it doesn't seem to hold a whole lot of water. Well, my here's the thing, and I I I I actually agree with you there, but here's my little issue with it, and it just came up this year. This is the first year that they held the quote unquote HBCU combine, NFL combine. See, and that one, I I kind of. I, I'm, I'm, I'm from the damn. It's about time they got their light school with this thing. So in a way, I'm with you as far as the combine is unnecessary. But damn, now we're getting the we're going deeper and we're getting the, the schools that need to be seen a chance to get some light. And I and I actually actually watched that combine already last week, and mm. there are some really wonderful prospects, and it needs to be bigger. But at the same time, I'm also at a paradox or a contradictory I said already that I don't even want to see the big one anymore. So I don't know where I stand right now. So it's, I'm, I'm especially with all in light of all of this nonsense going on with this bubble nonsense. So yeah, mm, I don't know. So so, so you're know. for the bubble? Are you for the bubble or not for the bubble? I'm not for the, for the uh, bubble. Oh, for Carl, Carl, or no, for you, for you, for you. I, 
I'm not for the bubble, and and I'm and I actually feel the way Carl, Carl, um, Carl does in, in terms of the necessity the necessity of it. But this is also yeah the other part of it is, and I didn't expect it was this is the first year they held the HBCU combine to mm-hmm. give the, the people from the small historically black colleges and universities some light. And right. it worked out well without a bubble, by the way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just caught, kind of caught in the middle here, man. I don't really know what I think right now. You know, because they, they, had, they held this thing down in Mobile, Alabama. You saw Nick Saban right up front with all, all the big wigs. Troy Vincent was down there, you know, and they were just, you know, Dion showed up and they were out there and, 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 and these cats just went at it and it was very competitive and it was, it was something to see. And there was some standouts that came up that looked like there's a couple of gaps that definitely could go number one in the draft down there. So that, that showed up down there. So um, that put, that puts this in a confusing light for me a little bit. That's some more, I need some more time to think about it. Anyway, okay, so that's that. That's that, Steve. But uh, that's all I'm saying. I'm just caught in the middle here with, with you know, just my out, you know, just my opinion of it. I want. I feel like Carl does in the first way, but the second way is okay. Now they letting the brothers have some light, you know, from Virginia State, and from Alcorn, and from Southern, and mm-hmm. Grambling. And, mm-hmm. And I'm like, at Alabama State, there was a cat, young young boy, Alabama State, Ezra Gray, young run, running back, that killed last week. He killed last week, man. Mm-hmm. You know, 45-inch vertical jumps and, you know, had a bad hamstring and, and ran a, <laughs> a 4.5. I mean, I'm sorry, 4.3 and, and a 40. And I'm like, God dang, this cat is doing it. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the middle but that's the end of, end of me. All right, fellas. So, yeah. Um, not to not before, 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 before I answer that, let, the G6 is with us. Let him, let, let's get his thoughts on the combine. Uh, if he's for or against oh. the bubble, let him get a crack at it. And then I want to get a turn on it. And then let's get to those uh, other questions with the culture and the needs uh, and, and the prospects. Alina has with the prospects. Tarmac. Yo, can y'all hear me? Jesus. We got you, we got you, homie. What up? Man, same old same. Uh, uh, well, my opinion on the combine, I'm a big combine person. I'm a huge combine person in, in itself. I love scouting. Uh, the Giants have been so bad over the last, we already know how so many years, that <laughs> I, I usually start scouting. Hey, Craig, I just got to be honest, man. Uh, I usually start scouting college guys and doing my mocks and stuff around November because we already we usually out of the playoffs by then. Uh, I'm already looking ahead. Uh, you know, so I'm a big advocate. The bubble. Let me start with the bubble. Let me ask you that question first. I agree with everybody on the call. It just didn't make sense. That that was a measure that should have been implemented last year when they didn't have a combine. I thought the exactly. bubble idea would have worked last year. Uh, yep. you know, uh, I, I'm not as big of a fan of pro days. I think Carl said he, I'm not, I'm not because it's, it's, it, it's set up for you to be successful. I don't want you, I don't want you to have an advantage when you're doing your measurables. I want you to compete against other people where you're out of your element. Let me see you out of your element. Let me see you away from your school. Uh, I think the combine is very important because look, 
Mika Parsons was not a top 15 player last year until he got to the combine. Uh, 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 um, you know, there have been other instances where players and yeah. guys, uh, OBJ wasn't really that guy. He ran his 40 at the combine. Uh, yep. yeah, he, was. I, I, he wasn't on my radar until he ran that 40. He was probably a, in the 20s, cusp of a second-round pick until he ran his 40 and solidified who – he, you know, you put you put his measurables up against his film, and that's what the combine's about. Uh, you know, when you see a Aaron Donald run a forty at his size, it just solidifies who we thought we saw on tape. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I always say go off your eyes and go off the tape first. Combine solidify people. Uh, they kind of make it to where uh, you know it does push people up the board. Uh, it can drop people. Uh, Russo, uh, I forgot his uh, name. The, 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 the edge guy from uh, from last year, Russo. I think he went to the Bills, Greg, maybe. What? Greg, Greg, Gregory Russo from Miami. Uh, that guy was hovering around a top ten player last year until he got to the combine. Uh, yep. Ran a slower time than people thought he should have ran. Uh, where did he go? Yep. He went in the twenty to the Bills. I think to the Bills. So uh, was, yeah. that, that combine can make. Yeah. Well, that that, that showed everybody that. He probably didn't work out and keep it, you know, football is a year-round thing where your body better be in shape, you better be uh, uh, working out, uh, you better be eating right. You can't take time off in the NFL anymore. It's not the 80s where guys came in as slobs, and, uh, hey, I'll get in shape <laughs> by week three. No, you can't. You, you have to be, uh, hey, I'm just being honest. You want to see guys, I'm just being honest, fellas, you want to see guys, uh, uh, taking care of their body year-round. It's a year-round thing for an NFL player, man. Uh, you know, or you're going to run into issues like a, like a Beckton with the Jets, who who, who I knew was going to have weight problems. Uh, you know, a lot of people were mocking him to us over Andrew Thomas, but I knew at 350 pounds, 360 pounds, this guy's going to have problems with his weight his whole career. Uh, and, and, look, he's been injured his, so far. His two years in the league, he's been hurt every year. Uh, because his weight, his weight's a huge issue. Those are the things that you want to see when you get to a combine. Now, every guy doesn't run. Every guy doesn't throw. Every guy doesn't jump or whatever it is. And that's fine. But uh, look at Kyler Murray. He solidified his number one position. He came in and did his measurables. Everybody wanted to see how yep. tall he was. They lied on, they, you know, <laughs> maybe they lied, maybe they didn't. But that was an important point that, he needed to check that box off for himself that he was uh, 5, 10, 11, whatever he is. I still say that boy 5, 8, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's just me. I, I, say, I swear that boy's not 5, 10, but that's neither here nor there. But that's what the combine's for. I love the combine. I love the combine. Because that one player is going to run that 4-2, four, four, that 4-3. Four, that four, uh, Tony ran a 4-3 last year. I think if Tony runs a 4-4, four, four, He's a second-round, third-round pick, maybe. Uh, you know, he ran a 4-3. So that, that, that made him, uh, you know, that, got, that maybe got him drafted at, what, we got him at 20 last year? See? Something like that. He ran a 4-3 in the combine. I, I mean, it just, you were able to put his tape alongside that 40, and it just solidified who you thought he was or who you think he could be. Um, and that's all. I, I, like I said, I, you know, it is short. It's not hitting. That's what the film is for. But um, mm-hmm. and I tell everybody, 
Don't go off my gut. Do your own research. Go look at the film for yourself. If he doesn't feel warm and fuzzy to you, then he's probably not that guy. Uh, you know, this year is a prime example. I don't, I don't like none of the quarter, none of the quarterbacks in this draft uh, make me feel warm and fuzzy. I feel warm and fuzzy about this guy. I felt warm and fuzzy about mm-hmm. DJ a little bit, enough to uh, – now, at six, no. At six, no. But I did feel a little warm and fuzzy about him. I didn't feel warm and fuzzy about Haskins. And look where he is. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like. I didn't like a lot of things about Haskins coming out of that draft. That's what the combine's for. He solidified a lot of those thoughts for me at the combine. Uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins never really threw deep passes at Ohio State. He knew he. You know, uh, everything was kind of uh, short and kind and planned. And I don't like that. It's what they call it? System being a system guy. I don't like that. I don't like the fact yeah. that you're you're you, you you're not really showing. Uh, a lot of stuff outside of that that system of who you really are. Uh, I knew he was going to be a slower quarterback. Eh, he solidified that at the combine for me. Uh, and that made me really not want to draft him. So that's all I'm saying uh, as far as that okay. goes. All right. I, I, I'm a big uh, combine uh, guy. Yep. Steve, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Steve, you, you know – yeah, you know, for years on this on this platform, man, we always bring up the combine and even before COVID and to the Jets points, like it gives you an opportunity. Well, let me let me back it up a little bit as far as the NFL has found a great way to make the sport an all year round sport and combine is kind of the, the television point part of you can sit there and literally watch it all weekend for whatever reason is fascinating because it gives you the fan to look at who's available and then go back and do your research. Like you may watch college football and then there may be some players you're not familiar with. It's like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, whether whatever drills he does, it gives you the opportunity to identify a player or a prospect and go do that research and see how it could be fit a fit for either your team or another team. And I think it, it, it opens the doors for everybody because you could act like just said. You could actually see for yourself, watch your own eyes. I'm with that part, a hundred percent. And for a lot of reasons, like you said, Chris, about the HBCU combine in Alabama, like that should have been happening decades ago. I but know it's here now. Yep. It's here now. It, this is what I'm saying. Because let's be honest, I don't watch a lot of HBCU football. You know, but they're putting it to the fort. Like, like I'm pretty sure there's a lot of dudes in that circuit that can play on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I don't see why not. Just because they went to an HBCU doesn't minimize their ability. And putting them in front of that combine stage gives you an opportunity. Like, hey, man, I mean, there's a lot of greats that came out of the HBCUs that are Hall of Famers in the NFL. So, yeah. And, and, and here's the, this, is, this is kind of going off a tangent a little bit. And I kind of touched upon it two weeks ago. The, the landscape of the landscape of college football is slowly turning with that Deion Sanders recruiting, bringing the top guys to a HBCU. It may not. It's going to take a while. It depends on how long Deion stays there, and it depends on if there's other guys like Deion follows. You know, following that same foot that that path. That hey, it's not. It doesn't have to be your traditional Big Ten, ACC, SEC schools. They, these cats might go right. down to Alcorn State, Prairie, uh, Prairie A and M, whatever, and ball out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just because they can, you know. 
And the HBCU combine puts a spotlight on those players because they're not, you know, I know they did the television games in the spring. I'll be honest with you, I missed a lot of those. Shame on me. But I like the combine for the promotion of players. I mean, they did it for the money, of course. And and I think it's good to look at it and see what you do as far as research. And on on to as far as the bubble, (laughs) man, I mean, of course I agree with you guys. You know, they could have probably did this last year, but they went with the Zoom option. And I I don't know, you can't really gain anything with the Zoom because it's just like what you guys said last week. Somebody said it. Like, you could be a great interviewer and bullshit your way through an interview, get a job, and be shit, like Joe Judge or David Fisdale. (laughs) That's what the Zoom calls is going pretty much do. You can't – they're not doing drills on – it's not like you're doing shuffle cones on the video, on the Zoom call. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, that dude, you know what I'm saying? Dude's like, jump down and give me, like, 50 bench presses. Now, they're not doing that on Zoom, you know? So, yeah, I'm all about the face-to-face. And, of course, they could restrict it and be careful and – uh, and here's another thing. Nobody said this, and we're going to go back to Carl, get uh, either these points on that and the other things about the issues with the team and culturally. A lot of these college players played probably in places where they COVID was just a non-factor. So they're probably looking at it like, wait a minute, man. I was in college a whole year. We I, I, Let's say I played in Florida or I played in Texas or I played wherever, you know. we didn't have, this, this was even a non-factor in our collegiate games. And you're really going to really nail us to the wall for a three-day, you know, whatever the weekend, you know, the number of days at the combine. I think some of the players are just looking at it like crazy. Um, And some of them are going to probably skip it and do the pro day or vice versa or do both. So it gives you opportunity to present yourself. I like the fact that they have the opportunity to use whatever avenue they do. But don't restrict it. I'm with the agents, man. You may want to, yeah, put that lawsuit on. Because if you just did a wide-open Super Bowl in, in a supposed lockdown California, why would you restrict it all of a sudden for, you know, the players? A packed NFL stadium, you, you could spread out in the, in, in the oh, what's that, what's that, Lucas Oil Stadium? You could spread out in the stands and do that. That's crazy to me. It doesn't make no sense. I agree with you guys. Uh, Carl, we'll go back to you. you if you have anything else you'd like to add, um, I asked um, – uh, three. I mean, it's, we got a laundry list of issues with the organization, the front office, and then also the team like, as far as position of need. But can you name, list your top three issues with the organization of, of the Giants, you know, wh- for whatever they are. Mm-hmm. I already wrote mine down. And also three positions of need. I mean, we got all needs all across the board. Let's get those thoughts from you, then we'll go to G6. And then Chris and then myself. Let's answer those two questions. And if you got, if you, if you have a question, feel free to ask. Okay. So, Carl. So, like, yeah. Yeah. So on the <clears throat> on the organizational front, um, you know, the sample size is too small right now um, to to give a gauge on on the two guys that are, are currently in charge that just got hired. So I'm not gonna, at least not yet. Um, I'll hold my fire on those guys. The one thing I would say, and one thing that I think both those two guys that are going to be running the show should um, should take a look at, because it's been a, a theme now for the Giants over the last 10 years, no matter who's been in charge or who's been uh, collecting the town or, or whatever, is the uh, evaluation of the evaluation or misevaluation of the roster itself. I think too many times going into these years, there has been a, a belief 
Um, I kind of like the analogy I used in terms of a house being built on popsicle sticks. Uh, there has been an over-evaluation of the talent on the roster. And it's gotten fans in trouble, believing something that is certainly <laughs> hasn't been true the last 10 years. You hear, you hear it sometimes on this program about how the Giants oh, have all yeah. this talent, and all of a sudden you watch the games and they're 31st in league in offense uh, or whatever they're doing on defense in any given year. So clearly there's a disconnect between what the front office believes the talent on the roster is and what is actually being produced on the field. And I think one thing that has to be made clear, whether they want to lie about it or not, is there has to be, when, when guys are being evaluated during the season, during the offseason, during this 12 months, to make sure that there is a, a clear, clear idea of what the talent on the roster is and what it can do. I think any evaluation of players outside of finding out those two questions, you're really just sort of spinning your wheels. So, for instance, if you think the quarterback that's going to be taking under center next season, whoever it may be, is a guy that's going to be successful, let's just use the quarterback that's on the team right now, the starting quarterback, projected, let's just put it that way. If you believe that all he needed was just some cleansing and – that is all that it's going to take to um, sort of uncover whatever it is that you believe he has, then fine. Just know that if you're wrong, as the early evidence suggests, well, then who's the fool? You know, so that, that's what I'm looking at. You know, Barkley is another person. You know, we've had about three, four, is it four years now, four years of data. He's been hurt two and a half to three of those years. He's had really one good year. Uh, you get about six good years out of a running back. Are the chances are that he's just going to give you one more good year, or is it going to be a situation where he's just going to be injured again? Like those kind of things, like temp, either temper your expectations or have a situation where, listen, you know what certain guys can do and what certain guys can't do, and don't fall for the trap of, you know, this sort of like pie-in-the-sky expectations. So that would be the, the one thing that I would I would look at independent of anything else. Um, what was the other question you had, uh, Steve? Three needs for the team. Yep. Um, top three. Top three. I mean, we got like 50, but give us top three. <laughs> yeah. Um, top three needs. Uh, better quarterback. Um, elite quarterback play can do a lot, can, can erase a lot of what you see in a roster. Um there's an idea floating around that, ooh, if I just give fill-in-the-blank more weapons, he'll be better, as opposed to, well, what if the quarterback can actually be really, really, really good, as you saw from the ter- one of the teams that played in the Super Bowl just two weeks ago. That can be possible. Don't, don't, let, don't get it twisted. Um, I think the other thing as well, um, I mean, we talk about offensive line all the time, but fixing an offensive line is not as easy as some folks make it out to be. Like, I remember during the season, I had a, a rant. I think it was like in November, I think a game the Giants actually won, where somebody on, on the postgame show, I forgot who it was, I don't know who, I'd have to look at the archives, and the person just said something along the lines of, oh, just, just fix the line and everything will be fine. I'm like, every team that's bad, that has a bad offensive line, just says fix the line. It's not that fucking easy. It's not that, it's not, it's not that easy. If it, was, if it was that fucking easy, everybody would do it, at least the ones that are bad. You know, you need some luck. You need just drafting dudes are not going to fix the issue. You have to sort of, it's, it's a little bit more intricate than that. But some folks just seem, ah, oh, fix the line, fix the line. Yeah, shut up. Get out of here. You know, so that's, that's something that 
it's, is it an issue? Yes. Is it so supreme of an issue that clouds the entire team? I'm not totally sure of that. So that'd be one thing. And the third thing, rush the quarterback. You need pass rushers in this game. You know, if you're going to beat elite quarterbacks, you need to rush them. You know, you're not going to play this sort of like, oh, I'm going to out-scheme you. I'm going to, you know, try to play this sort of like weird chess game. Like, no. In the fourth quarter, when games are decided, if you can rush the quarterback, put him on the ground, hurry his throws, and force bad decisions, you have a much better chance than in any other fashion of, of, of defense. Don't talk to me about anything else. Don't talk to me about soft this or just scheming pat. No, no, no. You need dudes that can get to the quarterback. And if you don't have those, I'm sorry. The, the, the other teams now in the league that have, you know, that have really good quarterbacks are just too good. The rules have been set up in the league where you can't touch receivers, you can't touch quarterbacks, and if you do breathe on them, penalties are going to be called. So you know what you have to do? You basically have to beat your man one-on-one and get to the quarterback. If you don't have those, then, then don't talk to me. I, you know, you're going to end up losing more games than you win. So those are the three things. All right. He's six. Yo, yo. Uh, you up. What's those, what's those questions? Um, top, top three um, um, organizational issues, and then your top three um, most dire needs for this, for this team next year. Uh, organizational issues got solved, I think. Solved, man. Um, prior prior to this regime coming in, it was just a, it was just a matter of Mar- Mara was probably making a little bit too many decisions. He really handcuffed his team with the Eli, keeping holding on to Eli as long as he did. That second that that last contract Eli had, I've been saying it forever. Me and Robbie been ringing that bell forever. Uh, that really set this team back. Eli been bummy. He's been a bum, dumb, dumb, dumb. And I love Eli. I appreciate the two Super Bowls. And you probably been finished. I'm sorry, Chris. I know that's your guy. But he probably been <laughs> done that since 17. He probably been done that since 17. We should have moved on. That was a slew of quarterbacks you could have had. Uh, I'm just saying, man. Uh, OBJ really saved him uh, the, the years that OBJ was here. Made him look better than what he probably was. Uh, you know, and that, that, you know, but I think a lot of that stuff has been cleared. Uh, you know, bringing in GMs, that's a part of your old fabric and old thought process. That was a mistake. Uh, a lot of that stuff has been cleared out. So moving forward, I don't really see a lot of uh, organizational issues at this point. Now we just got to wait and see. It's going to be a process. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Uh, you know, as far as positions go, I mean, look, let's be honest here. It's the O-line. Uh, we, we can talk about what Daniel Jones has been hurt, and we can talk about all that stuff. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, he showed you his rookie year what he pretty much is going to be. Um, yeah. You know, 20-something touchdowns, didn't have many uh, interceptions. He turned the ball over a hell of a lot. Some of it was his fault. A lot of it wasn't his fault. Uh, the O-line has been atrocious. I, you know, people like to, people like to say – well, Joe Burrow, man, he had uh, – he, he did what he did with a bad O-line. Uh, according to PFF, and I'm not a big PFF uh, – no, I like PFF. I'm not going to say I'm not a big fan of it. I don't, I, don't, I don't use it as my bread and butter, but let's be honest here. 
I somebody tried to bring that up. I say, man, their O line is ten times better than ours. And then a day later, the report came out, and we were ranked thirtieth. They were ranked twentieth. I told you, I knew we would. Our O line was ten times worse than Cincinnati. So that's not an argument for me. Plus, if you look at the the common thread of all quarterbacks that's really successful in this league, they have one thing in common. They have a number one receiver. Uh, Murray was balling at an MVP level before Hopkins got hurt, and then he turned to total doo-doo. His last, he lost the last six of his seven games because Hopkins was out. His number one guy was gone, and he didn't look the same. So Chase is the reason Burrow looking the way he's looking and getting to the playoffs and getting to the Super Bowl. It's that number one guy. That's why they chose him over Sewell because they get it in their front office. It's about that number one guy that pushes your quarterback to elite status. Uh, but I, I, I would say that O-line and, and, just, and just at least uh, give uh, – they don't have to be world beaters. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people who want to get go double O-line in the first round and all this stuff. You don't have to. You just have to upgrade. You have to, do your, you have to use your evaluation, which Gettleman uh, obviously wasn't. He wasn't a good evaluator like he beat his drum that he was. Uh, very old school in his approach and the way he looked at players. Uh, now we have a new guy with a new eye, with a new philosophy in town. Uh, you don't have to go out and get all these first-round stud O-linemen. You don't have to. Uh, as long as you get a competent O-line that gives you half a chance to win, that's sufficient for me. So I would say O-line, I agree that Edge, I agree with Carl, Edge is definitely – uh, you got one. You got a Z. You got some great uh, uh, complimentary rotational guys behind him in Roche and uh, Ellison Smith. Some, some very good young guys you can work on and, and groom. But you need that bail cow other guy on the other side of the Z that can really bring the pain, bring the pressure to these quarterbacks uh, week in and week out. I think, that's, I, think, I think O-line and edge is probably neck and neck. I don't have one over the other. And then thirdly, man, I've always, you know, for, not always, because we had some, but for at least a decade, I've wanted a, I've wanted a stud middle linebacker, man. Uh, uh, I that, that, man, I, we just need that quarterback on the defensive side of the ball that's going to be a game-changing guy. Uh, you know, it, you know if that's argumentative if you think one is in this draft or not. I think it's two. That could possibly maybe three. They could be in this draft. One, two, two first rounders, one second rounder. But that's the third guy. We haven't had a middle linebacker, man. Antonio Pierce was cool. He was cool, but he wasn't that elite uptick guy. That was just right. you knew every week in and week out. You got a game plan for that guy. We didn't. We we haven't had that guy since what? Carl Banks. I mean, I call Banks. Uh, Peppers. Peppers and and, yeah. and Carson and <laughs> it's been a very long time. So that's my third yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, look, um, I don't know how he did it, Steve, but Jesus took all my goddamn notes. Um, so I will be real brief here. Um, organizationally, I think we all – it's funny, G6, you, you mentioned Gregory Russo dropped all the way down to 20, and, you know, people were wondering at the draft last year, where is he going to land? Well, Joe, Joe Shane drafted him. And as you see, Russo was very beneficial in the real Super Bowl game between Buffalo and um, Kansas City this year. So, you know, it you, you you must know you must 
you have to, you just can't say, oh, I'm a scout, and, you know, put on a hat and grab a clipboard or or, or a freaking um, uh, sporting news edition and shit and go out there. You got to know your shit. It's a year-long process of studying, knowing the regions, knowing knowing the uh, strength of schedule, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah, I have to give it to you on that, man. Um, as far as – um, so that's really it. I think, you know, the jury's still out, like Carl said. I think – I, I think organizationally, we are improving. Okay, before there was, it was an unknown quantity, but what happened here is that we had a we have a whole new management team, all the way up and down, all the way down to the strength coach. So we'll see, we'll we'll see how that works out. I'm pissed off at the. I'm glad that we'll be able to see them and, and that they have more um, more validity in what they in their in their duties because we don't need any more nonsense like Mara talking out of turn and doing some behind the back shit with like that Brian Flores nonsense. So it's much better now that there are people on the front line that handle that responsibility that they that will know what they're doing. Uh other than that, man, the fella said everything I wanted to say. Um O line's number one for me. Uh it look it's it's been shitty for a very long time and we can't win because of it. We just can't win. We can't keep none of these guys upright. There's the Lemuse and the Gates of, of the world. We've had this problem going back to the babies or before that. It's just, it's got awful. So, yes, one of those, one of these top cats, um, and I'm just going to put it out there, I like I like this cat from uh, North Carolina State that, that, you know, looked very, very fantastic at the Senior Bowl. I like him, and I want, um, and I think that needs to be number one addressed. Okay, number two, we need another quarterback, and I'm not going to belabor that right now. It's as simple as that. And then number three, G6, when I met you, we were talking about a stud linebacker. We haven't had a cat. I actually thought that John, um, what was his name? John Beeson, was that his name? The kid from Carolina? I thought he was going to be our cat back then, but it never worked out. And we need some kind of solid God during foundation starting there and to go forward. And that's pretty much it. Cause I don't even want to go on talking and you guys took everything I wanted to say. And I'm anxious to hear what Steve got to say. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Um, organization. Um, I'm going on a little different path. Um, I think there's still some organizational issues and I'm thinking outside the box. When I say this, we kind of touched up on this on several episodes uh, within the last five, six months. But uh, I'll, I'll start with a couple. Uh, number one, uh, organizationally, and we'll start with re- more recent than anything. Um, I think there is a goodwill issue with this team. And you guys talked, you just said it, Chris, with the uh, Brian Flores situation with ownership and how that was, you know, how Carl nail, hit the nail on the head two weeks ago about what happened and they have to do some real repair stuff with the fans, honestly, to me. I know there's going to be a lot of season ticket holders, you know, PSL guys, no matter what, they're going to show up no matter what. But there's still an issue with goodwill on how they handled that. That's not a good look, honestly. That's really not a good look. Nope. And to be quite honest with you, and I'll be fair, I'm going to be very fair. I don't care if it is my team or not. If the NFL ever decides to go that route, and they went and did this investigation, and they wanted to issue a penalty, I would be all for losing draft picks. Because that you, you took, the, took away the spirit of the rule itself, and teams need to be 
it, I think that's the best way you could make teams accountable is if you're going to go that route and take shortcuts, take away first-round draft picks. I am for that across the board for any team. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's my team or another team. But I want to extend issue number two with the Giants, and it's kind of related to what I was just saying. And, Carl, I think I've heard you say this months ago, and I totally agree because I see this internally with the Giants as far as within the fan base, and I see other fans. The Giants, to me, I think are losing fans, man. When I say losing fans, I'm talking about over generations. To me, they have not connected with the. They have not connected with the new school. You know this this generation, the younger generation. You know the, the teenagers. The uh, I mean, I know winning changes a lot, and I think that's the main issue. If we are a winner, you're gonna latch on. Because remember, there was a crop of Odell Beckham Jr. fans that came out of nowhere, but not necessarily Giant fans. But because he was excited to see people were buying his jersey. I think the Giants do a great job when it comes to alumni and also the Super Bowl teams of the 80s, uh, the 90s, you know, early 90s, you know, the two Super Bowls, basically. That generation of fans, they know how to do it up. You know, the alumni parties, bringing the old, you know, Lawrence Taylor, your caller, uh, Carl Banks, you know, they know, you know, those guys, you know, they, they, they do a good job with the alumni. But looking forward, these new, you know, these other teams around the league and especially in the fantasy football era, the Giants are losing traction, to be honest with you, man. Like nobody, you could, you can't find a non-New Yorker saying I'm a Giants fan. You may, you probably, you, G6 is a perfect example. He said it himself. I like uh, Lawrence Taylor. I became a Giants fan because of Lawrence Taylor. That's what I'm trying to say. You're not gonna find G6 in yep. this generation because I don't think the Giants do a good job with outreach. Honestly, I think that's a big deal as far as long term with the culture. And also, and this is where a G6 kind of touched. Oh, no, I think somebody said it. Salary cap, that's going to get cleaned up, hopefully, by the new general manager. They got to clean up the books. Uh, with all the dead money and all the bad contracts, they got a lot of decisions to make. And there's going to be uh, some players we like or, you know, we kind of want to do well, but they may have to go on their merry way because we got to get under that cap. That That is a lot of cuts that's going to be made, man. And that's because of the previous regime. But this current general manager will do it. All right, and I'll be real quick so we can get the final thoughts. It'll take me 30 seconds. I agree with you guys. <laughs> Shit, I, I want you to call it. Quarterback is honestly our biggest need. But as I watch college football this year, Carl, G6, and Chris, I ain't, I'm ain't. i not in love with any quarterback right now at, out of this draft class. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm – like, I watched a couple of those pick games before Kenny Pickett got the, the hype. I, I'm like, I don't see it. I just don't see it. So – I'm with you on old linemen. That's like number one on my list. I wrote it down before the show. Specifically, interior offensive line. Now, I do like Neil out of Alabama. I mean, you know, do they double down and get another tackle who could play both sides of the line? This is why watching the combine and doing your research helps because that guy's a he's a a, a mountain that can run. <laughs> and that's the best way I can explain it for that guy. But that, of course, edge is a big issue. Big time issue, but now this is where the combine guys go up and down in the draft on their value. I don't know if there's an edge where we're is their value right now is as high as where we're going to draft. So that means you may have to trade back to if you really want to get the yeah. you get an extra pick somewhere maybe a later round, but also go after an edge that's going to fit your value. I don't think there's edge quality at the top of the draft where the Giants currently sit, and um. G6, you said middle linebacker. I'm actually more for that cover linebacker. 
Um, I don't know the uh, mm-hmm. status of Leigh Martinez coming off the ACL, but I would definitely say I could love a, a guy who could just fly out there, a Sam type of guy that could just go and cover guys coming out of the flats, uh, over the middle hitches, anything like, like that to just cover and, and make them ground. Um, so those are my top three needs. I got some guys in mind, but we don't. We probably could address it in a couple of weeks after the combine. We'll, we'll, you know, we can talk about the combine. So uh, let's get to our final thoughts, Chris. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we go to call for final thoughts? No, I just uh, I think this is really spirited conversation, man. This is one of the better podcasts we had in a minute. Maybe because there's friggin' all this intelligence getting thrown at me here. <laughs> let's start off with Carl, though, bro. Real yeah, quick, yeah, you man, know, saying goodbye. Yeah. Oh no, no doubt. I'll make it. I'll make it fast. As we say goodbye, you know, there's something that I noticed this week um, that I'm starting to get tired of. This is like the third or fourth time I've seen this now. The last couple of years, can we stop? And this is the media thing. In the first 90 days of when a new people new people get hired, talk about like what culture and what stuff that they're bringing to the job. Like I've seen this too many times now, and we've seen this story play out two years later. So I'm like, you know what? Can we like refrain from like telling me what culture the guy's bringing and all this new stuff the guy's doing? Let the, let the guy establish and win some games first before I believe any of the stuff that he's bringing. I, I <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, amen. Amen. Good thought. <laughs> she said. Yeah, hey, uh, there's a scenario that Thibodeau falls to five. <sighs> we can dream. You know, I got my candles lit. Uh, uh-huh. Bro, if that guy can fall some kind of way, Oh, man, it'd be an early Christmas present. That's the scenario right there, uh, Steve. You know, if Hutchinson and him go top four, it's the scenario of Neil, Akim from State, who Chris like, and Thibodeau, if those four go in the top four, I trade out of five. I don't like nobody else at five right there. I really don't. Oh, uh, I so you know, agree I with you. I so agree with I can't, you. I can't do it. I can't do it, bro. Let's come out of there. Uh, other than that, I agree with you about the salary cap. Um, uh, Steve as well. I think Barkley, I want to see what Barkley, I, I, I hate to sound like Shane, but I want to see what Barkley and DJ going to do with, with a little bit of upgraded uh, things around them or in front of them, however you want to look at it. Uh, plus, there's no quarterback this year that's coming out the draft that's really, maybe not even next year. I'm not high on Young. Mm-hmm. I don't like Stroud like that. We last we missed on our quarterback if you was really wanting that elite guy. I think we missed. About I think holding on to Eli, we missed him. But uh, that's gonna be a tricky situation, man. I, you know, it's gonna be tricky in the next couple of years with DJ if he's not the guy. Uh, so I think that's where we are, man. Um, you know, you got to plan this year. Just not, you know, Mitchell Trubisky might make it on the team. I'm that doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, it may be a little bit better complication, but. That doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, and I don't think there's a quarterback in this year's or next year's draft that really wows me. Nope. So that's where we are, fellas. That's where we are. All right, everybody. That was Carl G6. Uh, let me tell you uh, real quick, um, um, G6 also, the other the other person that you, I was trying to remember when you was going on about uh, the, uh, the combine, Barkley, Saquon Barkley, blew up the bar- combine like nobody's business. That was the one. That was the one. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Listen, uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher Apps, Apple, 
um, uh, all social media apps. Uh, check us out with the archive shows, Bleed Blue Show, Bleed Blue Show, wherever you go, wherever you go. I'm going to hand it over to Steve to close it down. Yeah, we'll be back in uh, two weeks. So that would take us to what date would that be? That would be before free agency, right? So, before yeah, that would be a week before free agency. Yeah. So we won't, yeah. we won't have Greg Martinez. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. Oh, yeah, good episode with Carl, G6, and yourself, myself. Uh, yeah, man, watch Enjoy it. If you watch the combine, watch it, check it out, like it. And if not, you know, the bottom line, especially on this platform, and everybody here does it, do your research. I mean, this is what we thrive on. This is this is the time of year, regardless of the sport, you know, football, whatever sport. And these guys do their homework, and that's why I respect these guys, man. Do your homework, man. And, and think for yourself on top of that, man. Like, don't let the narrative be swung, you know, sway you in a direction because somebody said it and you didn't research it. I mean, this is, you know, I know Chris watches a lot of college sports and G6, you too, and Carl. You guys study it, the statistics, the analytics of it. Uh, I'm all for research and to make the best decision for your team because it makes it better for it makes it for a better conversation. I like the fact that we can talk in and out so just a situation like the bubble. You know, that's real, you know, we, we, being honest about what makes sense. But, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we might have to do a back-to-back week, because we may have to adjust that free agency episode that week, man. We yeah, may we may. That, we'll, we'll keep posting. Yeah. We'll post it. Yeah, all right. Cool. All, all right. right. Keep, uh, look, up the, look up the schedule, bleeblueshow.com schedule. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know, we'll, we'll know on the schedule. All right, man. Sangrasu, ladies and gentlemen. Bleeblue. Sangrasu. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue.